there's one word that can trigger a range of emotions swirling in the minds of millions. Feelings of fear, panic, anxiety, and confusion. That word? Hurricane. You start thinking, what do I have to do to get prepared so that I can live through it? I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen this magnitude of a storm. Hi, everybody. This is Tom Dewar, and welcome to the Life at AT&T podcast. In this episode, the storm, the reaction, and the emotional response that was Hurricane Irma. Part of the situation of living in South Florida is actually understanding the strength and the power that a hurricane has and that ability for your life to change in an instant. My name is Robert Suarez. I supervise the installation of all internet and um, all of the IP services for South Florida. My name is Christy Swank. My title is Vice President and General Manager, but the truth is what I do is help to manage over 400 points of distribution, 2,000 uh, sales folks, uh, deliver mobility and entertainment solutions to the Florida market. Robert Suarez and Christy Swink both live, work, and have families in South Florida. Talk to me about life in Florida as, as you've come to experience it. Well, my first year here, uh, about 30 days after closing on my home, we had our first big hurricane scare, which was Hurricane Matthew. It was a time aimed sort of directly at South Florida, uh, coming ashore not far from where I lived. That hurricane was so last year, so you may not remember, but sort of life in Florida, I came right into a hurricane season. I love what you said a moment ago. That was so last year's hurricane. Is that the mindset? So hurricanes and preparing for a hurricane and getting our, our teams and our locations ready, that's just part of what we do each year as we have these scares. When you first heard and saw about Irma, what was it that first started to go through your mind? Well, I was in my office in Miami and uh, directly across from my office is a shopping plaza with a Costco and a Home Depot. We'd been watching and tracking the storm as it was moving across the water but I think it was looking out at those retail locations and seeing traffic control in the parking lots, folks having to wait outside, wait their turn to even get into one of these stores to get supplies uh, for the storm. I think that's when that was sort of the first realization of, okay, folks who've lived here all their lives are really preparing for this one to make landfall. Meteorologists depend on the radar. Floridians look at external factors like the traffic they're seeing at stores like that? <laughs> well, this one did. Ever seen uh, something like that before? I've never seen anything like it. I think that most everyone that has not been through one may think of it as a novelty, uh, something that they've heard about experiencing it. People that haven't been through that may have heard about it, but if they didn't live through it, they're not going to be in fear of it. Let me guess, you're not the type of guy to run from a hurricane. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm about to tell you, you're probably going to be surprised. Um, I was on vacation 
prior to the hurricane. And so we were like on day five there, and we started hearing the rumblings about the hurricane maybe coming uh, to South Florida, and it was over the Caribbean. So at that moment, that was about a Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, I seriously started looking at flights to come back. And everybody else is running away from South Florida. And I'm having to rush to get back because I've got a team to prepare. Back in Christie's office, the question, how does she prepare for landfall of this monster storm? You have your personal situation, you have your family, but then you have a lot of what this company depends on that rests on your shoulders as well. I know how I feel as a parent about the way my son's company reacts when there's an emergency. And I try to be thoughtful. There's a real balance. Of course, we want to serve our community and we want to make sure we're there to provide products and services for the community as they need them as they're getting ready for the storm. But there's nearly 2,000 employees that work in my organization. Those employees have to make decisions about their own family. Are they going to evacuate or are they going to stay? Either way, they need a lot of lead time. Evacuating from South Florida is time consuming. There's only one way to go and that's north. Only a few roads to take you there and traffic can build quickly. For Robert, it was the lack of traffic that made it sink in. Irma was for real. When we got to the airport and got on the plane, there was no lines. The plane was going straight to Fort Lauderdale from San Francisco. And I looked on the plane, there might have been 30 passengers on a 300-passenger plane. I'm like, wow, they're still flying. (laughs) Then driving down to Miami, no traffic. All the traffic was bumper to bumper leaving South Florida. Robert and Christy were both now staring down the eye of the storm, both with big decisions to make. There is a difference between preparing for a hurricane and preparing for a hurricane with heart and compassion. You can't be clinical when it comes to this. Just following a formula doesn't always work because there's a people factor here. There are decisions that individuals need to make based on their circumstances. And I think the heart does have to play in. These are team members and during a time of crisis, we become an extended family. For you, hurricanes are personal. You've shared with me some of the experience that you've had that make hurricanes a much more personal situation than they might be for other folks. Yeah, so um, about 10 years ago, I was living and working in the Cayman Islands when Hurricane Ivan hit. Category five, uh, Cayman Islands, tiny, tiny island. And um, it was uh, was pretty devastating to the island. Uh, During that time, we did not evacuate. My children were young. I was unprepared for what it's like to be in a hurricane. So for folks who've not experienced it, the winds are relentless and they go on for hours and hours. And it takes a devastating toll while we were in the shelter. We lost both of our cars. My husband's my car were totaled in the storm. When we were able to get out of the shelter after a few days, and get back to our home. We had damage to our home, but we also had no air conditioning. We had done preparation 
And so we were as prepared as we could be. It was still, it was tough. And it was really tough with with kids and trying to make everybody comfortable and keeping everybody calm. We were evacuated from the island about four days after we got out of the shelter. Do you get hurricane flashbacks whenever you hear just the word hurricane? I feel incredibly empathetic towards what folks are going through, whether it was Harvey and uh, what South Texas was experiencing or uh, Maria immediately after Irma. I think about how I felt during the storm while I was at the shelter and couldn't get home to see what my house was like. I think that's why I'm so passionate about not just saying we support the recovery efforts, but being there and being a part of the recovery. I remember how important that was to me and how wonderful it was to see the folks coming in with the supplies that we needed. With damage starting to pile up, their minds remained focused on their people first. The very first thing we did is we activated Yes Okay to ensure that all of our employees were okay. And then we worry about much later after we make sure folks are okay. We worry about, okay, What's happening with our retail locations? Is there damage? How is our network performing? And how quickly can we get the business back up and running? But Florida had very little power in the days after Irma. We have 126 AT&T retail locations in the state of Florida. That does not include our authorized retail locations. You add those two together, we're in the neighborhood of 400. After the storm, we had 300 of those locations without power. We have access to generators and the fastest way to get our business back up and running and our cell sites back up and running is generator power. Many of those generators were staged with good reason in the northern part of the state. And remember, that's where Irma headed next after ravaging South Florida. Our customers wanted to come in We wanted to be open. And so getting those assets down the peninsula, I think was a challenge as the storm was moving northward. So when you don't have power, you don't have air conditioning, you don't have batteries, you don't have cell phones. So what does it start with us was getting communications back. So immediately our team on the ground has to make an assessment of what occurred. So we put a caravan together and um, the caravan included engineers and included people from wireless, people from the electronics group. And they actually took a trip through the entire devastated area to make not only assessments, but they brought with them generators and things that they could make immediate repairs to it. Take me to the keys and paint me a word picture of what you guys first saw down there. I would describe the drive from South Florida to the Keys as somber. If you've driven to the Keys, there's normally traffic. There are normally a lot of cars on the road. It's very green and beautiful and lush as you make that drive. After Hurricane Irma, first of all, not a lot of traffic. And if you did see traffic, it was a power company or a an AT&T branded vehicle that was going down to help restore uh, service. So it was a different kind of drive. And I would say those of us who were traveling down, our mood matched what we saw. We were a little quiet, a little reserved. 
didn't know what to expect as we went key to key to key to get down to Key West. Our fiber cables were cut to smithereens and had to be restored in several places before we can get the original system back up. Meanwhile, we had cell on wheels, we had portable satellite operated trucks, we had the light trucks on wheels. Uh, we had all these uh, devices and technology alternatives that allowed the first responders to go out and address their needs in the local jurisdictions. We set up our AT&T RV, brought down prepaid devices that were activated and ready for folks to use, water, Gatorade, portable chargers. We had tarps, we had supplies and we were ready to help. We were lucky enough to be able to set up where FEMA and the National Guard were also giving away some supplies. And it was an amazing experience. It was an emotional and amazing experience. Many times folks came up to us and told us that they had not been able to contact any of their loved ones since the hurricane. Either their phone was destroyed in the storm or their service simply didn't work. We've got to have our processes in place so that we can provide emergency services. I don't consider us first responders in the sense of, of emergency vehicles and medical, but it is a, a sense of urgency to get our communications back. There was never a question that we were gonna provide. There was never a question of, oh, should we really give away phones and 30 days of service? The only question I received from my leadership team was how quickly can we mobilize how many people can we help? Do you need more? And as a leader in the business, that's all you can ask for is having that kind of support behind you that is really just saying, we're here, we're here to bring supplies. What else do you need? And I felt the power of AT&T behind us. We have a national disaster recovery team that I can tell you it's worth their weight in gold 10 times over. This is a huge operation. AT&T has got the best restoration process, I think, I've ever seen in any place, in any industry around. Our guys and, and gals are out working in the heat to quickly restore telecommunication services to those who need it, whether you're talking about the Keys or any other part of Florida uh, that was affected. So I will tell you that personally, it was very inspiring and I just felt more proud than ever to work for such an amazing company. When I see the way that we come out during these kinds of emergencies, the way we are able to mobilize as a team to go take care of our customers. I think the reaction was really for me, you're doing this for me. Wow. And the answer was always, yes, we're doing this for you. Our brand really shone through and it didn't surprise me when it comes to post storm, what folks want to do is they want to communicate, and that's what we provide. Reconnecting Florida following Hurricane Irma couldn't have happened without the incredible work of our dedicated men and women on the front lines. Thank you for the work that you do and the sacrifices you make. And a special thanks to Robert Suarez and Christy Swink for sharing their stories with us. Next time on the Life at AT&T podcast. So when we were traveling up the mountains with, with one of the crews from AT&T, um, there were seven trucks and jeeps and all, and we went up 
to one of the tallest peaks. We saw a lot of people by the side of the road where a spigot was was sticking out just a little bit from the rock and, and people were bathing and doing their laundry. Incredible stories from inside the harrowing efforts underway right now to reconnect our network in Puerto Rico. I'm Tom Dewar. We'll see you next time on the Life at AT&T podcast.